Welcome to the Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Nathan Berry. I'm the CEO at ConvertKit, and I'm joined by my co-host, Barrett Brooks. He's the COO here at ConvertKit, and we're on a mission to help creators earn a living. This show is about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Okie dokie, artichokey. That's my deadline to open up today. It's Friday on The Future Belongs to Creators, and thank goodness I finally don't have to co-host with Nathan. Instead, I have Haley J, as she's affectionately known at ConvertKit. She leads our creator sessions, and normally, and in the before times, she was in charge of all of our events, going out and sponsoring stuff, and being on the ground with creators all around the country. But as we know right now, that's not happening. So instead, we've been doing these awesome Friday sessions, which hopefully some of you caught earlier, just before this. It's Q&A day. So if you have questions, put them in the chat. In the meantime, Haley, how are you doing? I'm doing good. We just had our creator session go live this afternoon. So if you're on our email list or you read the email that went out when we promoted it or any of the copy on all things creator sessions, basically the reason I say to join is because the guy just makes you smile. Like I have watched it in editing and when I got the film back, you know, 10,000 times and I cannot watch it without smiling. So I'm feeling good. I ended that creator session with a big smile on my face. So I'm good today. It's awesome. I love it. If you don't know what creator sessions are, pretty much every Friday, most Fridays, I guess I would say, we do basically a live performance that's a mix of a creator sharing their creative inspiration and their story behind the art and then the art itself. And so it's been a mix. It's mostly been musicians. We've had a couple of photographers, a chef, kind of just experimenting with different formats and different kinds of creators, but all of them are fantastic for different reasons. So if you haven't checked them out, they're all on our YouTube channel and you can catch them live in premiere mode at 11 a.m. Pacific on Fridays. On my end, I would say that I am yellow green, sage as we call it, chartreuse as we call it on this show. Why? Let's see, we have a board meeting coming up on October 19th and prep for those is always just a lot of work. We love the prep though, because it makes us smarter about our business. We really dive deep on what's going on. What do all the metrics tell us? Where should we be focusing our efforts? But it takes a lot of, just a lot of hours, a lot of raw horsepower there to get it across the finish line. So anyway, it's been a little stressful, but it's been good kind of stress, an appropriate level of stress for the importance of the work that we do. In other news, it's sunny. I know everyone was wondering, how's the weather near you, Barrett? And let me tell you, it's a beautiful day. Asked no one ever on the internet. I was going to say, yeah, I'm sure that's what everyone was wondering, what the weather was in Portland, (laughs) Oregon. I'm sure they were wondering if it was sunny or if it was raining today. Exactly. I know. I know. It's it's baffling to me why everyone wants to know what the weather is near me. But anyways, okay, it's Q&A Friday. We've got a few. We've got three to kick us off. If you're live, you know that means you get to get your questions answered first. So we'll start with one that came in ahead of time from Noah on Twitter. He said, have you had to explain or justify what you do or what a creator is to non-internet people? And if so, what's worked and what hasn't? Do you have any experience with this, Haley? I feel like I experience that on a day-to-day basis. I've said this for a while, but I feel like people have a hard time understanding what a creator actually is. There was a call that you and I were on, or maybe it was a question that ConvertKit had posed in a review that we've done, which was like, do you consider yourself a creator? You know, my response, I've had some side projects and, and fun things going on, but 
sometimes I don't even identify myself as a creator, even though I'm creating things in my day-to-day life or in a side hustle or for creator sessions, you know? So I think it's hard for people to identify themselves as a creator, even though that's what they are. The way that I describe a creator to people like, gosh, there's so many different ways I could answer this question. Like to my grandma, to someone at a conference, to a creator when I'm producing creator sessions. I don't know. I might need to, I might need to caveat. I might need to flow off of you for this one. Okay. Well, I will say that the original inspiration for our first early attempts at storytelling around what it's like to be a creator was this project we called I Am a Blogger. And and we were mostly positioning ourselves as for bloggers originally. And then we've kind of expanded to the wider creator market. And we made this coffee table book that I think a lot of y'all have heard about if you listen regularly called I Am a Blogger. But it started with traveling all around the country to film these mini documentaries with, I think we did eight of our customers. And they ended up being between seven and 10 minutes apiece but we filmed for a couple hours with every one of the creators. And one of the core questions we were trying to answer or maybe trying to like justify is that this is a legitimate career path now. Like it used to be that it felt like, and still is, I think, for a lot of relatives or people who don't understand kind of the creator economy, the internet economy. Wait, so you just sit at your house and you like write articles or you make videos and you, how do you make money? That was one of my favorite lines from that original series was we filmed these three podcasters who run a podcast about fantasy football, which for like your average sports fan is a dream job. And the opening scene of their documentary was one of them who's just kind of a goofball. He's got a lot of personalities, like quoting someone who he talked to about running this podcast. And he's like, wait, but like, how do you make money? And he's got this hilarious cadence as he delivers it. But they had heard that so many times from parents or grandparents or relatives or whoever. And it constantly comes up. And so we made that original coffee table book and the documentaries to answer that question. How does this whole thing work? How do people make money online? What is it that they're actually doing with their days and with their working time? So I think it's incredibly common. And now I think to your point, Haley, we get this like, what is a creator? What does it mean to be a creator? Nathan has been working on a book proposal to write a book about the creator economy. And the way he defined it in the book proposal is a creator is anyone who makes original work to teach, inspire, or entertain, and then earns a living from it, basically. That's their goal. And I feel like that's a really effective way to capture the idea. But I find people most get it when I say things like, for example, a photographer or a musician or a YouTuber or a podcaster, all of these people make something that they care deeply about. And typically when you care about it, you want an audience to pay attention to it. You want people to care that you're making it. And we help people build that audience and grow the number of people who care about the work that they make. Typically, it's the examples that I see people really latch on to. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I know a musician. That makes sense to me. This, in case anyone is wondering, is exactly why Barrett Brooks is the ConvertKit COO, because... There's a fly. I have Mike Pence syndrome. You just Mike Pence did. <laughs> this is exactly why Barrett Brooks is our COO. In fact, I'm going to call him out for a minute, but... oh. Barrett, obviously, previously before he was COO, was our director of marketing. And while he was good at that role, he's a great COO because he leads like the mission. That's how I've always viewed him as leading the mission, but being able to describe so clearly and articulately who we're for or why we are for those people. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love it. Not to make your head any bigger than it already is, but you know. Not going to fit out the door. 
Also, I just want to give a shout out to Kurt and Keshna and Anika in the chat. Hey, y'all. It's good to see you. I would love to hear how you're doing. I know I didn't ask how rude of me. I'm going to transition to our second question by saying, going on two years ago now, we did this exercise at our team retreat where Nathan and I bought like 100 magazines or something like that from all different kinds of segments of the creator market. And we did this thing where... It was basically like building a shared collage or a vision board where everyone in the company grabbed a magazine or we had a printer there too, where you could just go online and they cut out the creators who inspire them or they printed out the creators who inspire them. We tacked up on the entire wall of our, our Airbnb place, all of the creators we hoped one day would be using ConvertKit as a way to kind of like paint this vision. And I think at the time, people were kind of like, why are we doing this? This is like irrelevant to who we are today. And then as we started doing creator sessions, you came up with the idea, Haley, for how we could transition from in-person events to online events during the pandemic. It's like the thing that really started to bring it to life. And people really started to see the translation between like actual people on that wall to actual people doing creator sessions and then becoming customers too. So that leads me to this next question from Kurt. And he said, what have been the learning so far with creator sessions and how are you assessing and tweaking the success and direction of these? So maybe just kind of like share some of what you've learned along the way so far, Haley. That's such a good question. It's funny though, because I referenced that activity that we did at that retreat in Oceanside. I have referenced it so many times over the last couple of years. And being honest, it was a frustrating exercise for me at the time, because those things felt so out of reach, like those people and those creators felt so out of reach. Now in my day-to-day, I'm getting the opportunity to work one-on-one with some of the creators that were on that wall. And, you know, creator sessions, to your point, like was this thing that I did, I created like in my mind or had this kind of brainchild idea because I couldn't go to any events, right? And I remember, we've talked about this a few times one-on-one, but there was this moment right after the very first one went live, with Abby Rodriguez, who runs a food blog, and we just kind of cooked live, you know, and obviously it's grown and changed a lot since that very first creator session. But I was real anxious about it. And I called you right after and you know, you said something's here, right? You're going to have to lean so far into this that you're uncomfortable because you don't know if it's going to work or not. And if I could say that's one thing that I've done with this is I've leaned so far into this that I have never experienced so much anxiety in my (laughs) entire life, right? And there have been times where there have been things that are like hits and misses, right? And we're just learning and getting better. Like a great example of things I've learned are associated to producing these things during COVID times, right? Like I never would have thought that I would have had to tell a creator, hey, turn your camera, both cameras, the same direction. So I've learned everything from like logistics like that to producing these things from far away to really the way to communicate because part of building creator sessions, the goal is, is that I want someone to watch it and immediately recognize it as a creator session, right? And that's regardless of the type of creator that you are. So whether you're a musician or you're a chef, or maybe you're a filmmaker, that the episodes don't feel all that different. You still get the same feeling from each one of them. And that's probably the stuff that I've learned most about is really being extremely specific in the things that I'm asking for. So so we can continue to create that brand and really define what creator sessions actually mm-hmm. is going to become. But the 
the other thing that's really interesting to me is, in fact, I shared this in Slack the other day. This week, I got the chance to introduce Shannon Wild and Amy Vitali, who are two National Geographic filmmakers and photographers and two of the few women in the space that are really successful. And I'm telling you, and I said this in Slack, I felt like I was introducing Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. It was like the greatest <laughs> moment of my life. They're both some of the most inspirational women I've ever had the chance to talk to. And that moment brought to life that exercise that we did in Oceanside because all of a sudden I was a catalyst to this relationship and that was as a result of creator sessions. So it's been a fun thing to kind of watch. Yeah, totally. I think to your and so we're thinking about it not in terms of like how many viewers are there on any one creator session today. And I both shared with really you know how can we become tastemakers and an important stop on like a tour for a musician as they're releasing an album or for a photographer as they're trying to get a big break in their career or whatever it might be, or a new restaurateur who's launching a new restaurant and they want to get more attention for it. And that just takes time. Like it takes patience. And so, so much of what we're doing right now is not doing things for the numbers, but doing things to fulfill the vision that we have for this. And I think the purest expression of that is going to be post-pandemic, when we can get back in person, when we can be there on the ground, maybe have a, a small live audience or something like that. I think that's when we're really going to see the most magic. And in the meantime, I think we're just trying to learn as much as we can. Learn as much as we can about the industries that we're in. Learn as much as we can about filming process and creating shared visual identity across artists and all that. So we're very much in learning mode still. We're in like the first inning of a very, very long commitment here. And we're just comfortable with not needing anything from it beyond being inspired by the art right now. Okay, Chris Bornia. Chris, I don't think I've ever seen you in the chat before. Welcome. Says, what are your opinions on whether creatives should put friends and family on an email list? Should you ask them to opt in? If they unsubscribe or don't opt in, that could lead to hurt feelings. Do you have thoughts here, Haley? I definitely have thoughts, but love to hear your perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you're starting a business, there's no shame in anything, right? Like one family member, one friend could lead to someone that you don't know, you know, type of situation. So I feel like when you're starting a business, you're grinding. And that means everyone in your internal circle. And that requires being comfortable asking for your friends and family to share this project that a friend, you know, that they're working on or you're working on. So, I mean, I think that's one of the things as a creator that you're going to have to grow. I don't want this to come across like harsh by any means, but if you're comfortable putting your work out there in the world, then you have to get comfortable being criticized for that work. And that may come in form of a friend or family saying, hey, you know, this isn't my thing to share. And that's going to be like, thank you. You know, I appreciate that, you know, and they can respond and say, I'll support you in other ways, you know, so on and so forth. But I think that the first mistake that you're going to make is by not asking. That's kind of my, my two cents on it. Yeah. A hundred percent. So some interesting things just that we see. So we have over 200,000 creators using ConvertKit now. And the most common thing we see, especially on free accounts is a big fat zero number of subscribers. And I think that's related to this early hurdle of how do I get those early, early subscribers? And I I will tell everyone listening, everyone's first subscribers are like their mom, their spouse, their kid, whoever. It's someone that will listen because they care about the creator, not because they're interested in the content, basically. And while that seems silly, I really think having those early people makes it feel real. It makes it feel like I, I have someone who cares enough that I should go make the next thing. And so what I always like to remind people of is number one, everyone starts from the same family and friends starting point. Number two, I would not put them directly on your email list. I personally feel like a text 
is best. So when I started my first creator business and I was starting to grow my email list, I sent either a text or a Facebook message. This was 10 years ago now. So Facebook Messenger was like a thing still. People still, I guess people still use it. I don't use it, but then it was more normal. And I just said, hey, I'm starting this thing. Here's what it's about. Here's why you might like it. If that sounds cool to you, like go subscribe on this page. And so that gave them the chance to say yes or no, rather than me just automatically dumping them in. It's almost like a double opt-in intro to someone where the person making the introduction asks both people, are you willing to meet this person? And then introduces rather than just out of the blue, making the introduction that you feel obligated to. So I would definitely ask, I think that's a better approach than just dumping them into your email list. And then number two, the magic number that we're playing with is between like eight and 12 subscribers in terms of what leads to ongoing success and growth for a creator. And so my hypothesis there is that one or two yeses from like, like your mom and your son or something like that feels like they're just trying to make you feel good. But if you get five or eight or 10, it starts to feel like, okay, maybe there's something here that's worth making the next thing and sending it out. And one of the things that obviously we track from a business perspective is what needs to happen for someone to want to pay to use our product, you know, rather than just using the free one. And one of the big step changes for us is once, once someone hits 10 subscribers, and then there's another one, once someone hits a hundred subscribers, they become way more likely to pay us. And because of the way our model works, we believe that means that they're more likely to keep going on their thing. Like that's why they're willing to pay us is they see progress and they see hope and continuing to build. So anyways, hopefully that helps Chris. Next question we got ahead of time. What is the biggest leap or scariest decision you've made in your career? Oof. All right. Going to ConvertKit? No, I'm teasing. Probably I, in a previous life, used to coach college volleyball. Seems like it was a hundred years ago. But long story short, I'll never forget this moment, very specific moment with Coach Holt. She was a senior women's administrator. And my boss, who's now the head coach at Notre Dame, very successful guy, he left and he got his head coaching job at Xavier University and he left really late in the season. And she pulled me into her office. We're a state school. So we're Austin P University, State University. So we're just like north of Nashville. And it's really hard to hire late in the season, right? One, and it's also really hard to hire in like a state university. You have to just jump through a bunch of hoops. You know, I was like 24 at the time. I was brand straight, new out of college, you know, had no idea what I was doing, had been an assistant for one year, you know, barely passed my recruiting test. No, 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 I, I, I passed it, but it's a complicated test. Okay. And she pulled me in her office and she goes, do you think you could do it? And in my mind, I was like, no, there's no way I could do this. I don't know the first thing. I mean, I'd obviously been a college athlete and I just, in my mind, I was like, no way. I was like, you want me? I was like, I'm barely an adult myself and you want me to deal with a bunch of teenage women? And I say that teenage women, right? Because like you're, they're navigating like their young adulthood. But what came out of my mouth was like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. We went on to have a great successful year. We won the conference tournament, went to the NCAA tournament, all that fun stuff. But the lesson that I learned in that was sometimes you just have to say yes, right? Sometimes you have to, when you are scared out of your mind and an opportunity presents yourself, that's only going to come one time. You have to say yes. That lesson has applied more to my life in countless ways in, in the tech career, you know, working for software companies and, and whatnot, more ways than I could possibly count. And it came from a totally different field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. 
I may have shared this story before. So if you've heard it, sorry, you can fast forward if you're listening later. But my first year out of college, I got invited to volunteer at a camp for abused and neglected children called Camp Horizon. Haley, you've definitely heard this story, so you'll have to tolerate it. But I went and the way the camp works is there is a counselor for every camper. And the reason is that they want this week of camp to be, if they never experience it throughout their year, the camper's one experience of unconditional love, attention, just care from an adult adult that they can trust. So I went to this camp. It completely changed me. I was abused as a child. I won't get into all of that, but it was very meaningful to me. I didn't realize it, that that was a reason I was so attracted to it at the time, but that was one of the reasons. And so it was like a very healing experience for me, a very meaningful experience. And it changed a lot about how I thought about work and the work that you can do day in and day out. They had just hired a new program director for the camp that year. And this was her first summer camp. And on the Wednesday staff meeting, which happens right after lunch, like the staff members, the non-counselor staff members take the campers back for nap time. And we get to have an hour of just like unwind for a little while. The chair of the board came in and he said, well, we've let the program director go. She's not a good culture fit. And she was starting to alienate some of you more experienced counselors. And y'all are the most important thing to this organization. And we can't have that. So we're going to be looking to hire a new program director. And we'd love to know if anyone that's already part of the camp family in this room would be interested in it, because we know that that would make you a good culture fit for what we're looking for. And it was like this light bulb went off for me. I was a management consultant at the time, one of my first or my first job out of college. The juxtaposition of what I was doing every day, which was basically being a spreadsheet monkey, just combing through spreadsheets all day, every day. I won't get into that either. It was mind numbing though. And then realizing that an alternative version of my life could be running a summer camp for abused and neglected children. It was like, it broke my brain. It broke my concept of what work could and should be. And within a month, I had turned in my letter of resignation to the partner I was working for at Ernst & Young. And that moment, I'll just never forget how nervous I was going to work that day. I was like nervous and excited. And I had typed out my letter and I had like looked at templates for resignation letters and all this stuff. And I met with him and then I met with the senior partner. And I don't know that they were surprised. I'm sure they've seen it a hundred times. You know, people churn out of consultancies pretty regularly. But I just remember feeling like, okay, I am seizing this opportunity. Same thing as you, Haley. It's like, okay, I have this moment of clarity. I'm not going to let it pass me by without taking action on it. And I'll never forget the reaction from relatives. My dad was like, you have this great job. What are you doing? Like you're paid more salary than I ever made in your first job out of school. And that single decision is the only reason I'm here having this conversation. Without that decision, I never would have followed the path to end up leading this company that I'm so proud of and in a role that challenges me regularly in an industry that I'm really excited about. But at the time, it felt like the most dangerous career move I could make going out on my own. I ended up starting my own company. I didn't go to work at the camp. And it seemed foolish to everyone because no one understood. What does it mean to be a, like a creator? What do you mean you're going to go be a blogger? You can't be a blogger as a career. But I made the most of it and we're here now. So anyways, that's the long version of that story or the slightly abbreviated long version. I do love that story. Okay, last one probably for the day. Kurt asked a follow-up on Creator Sessions and said, I would love to have a side B or a B-side, which in record terms, if any of you ever have listened to a record or a tape, anyways, of Creator Sessions where they talk about connecting with their audience and see how that dovetails into how I use ConvertKit. Does that exist or could it? I interpret this as more of the like brass tacks of tactically what are they doing to grow their audience and how are they interacting with that audience over time aside from the creative piece. Do we ask them any of those questions or do we do any of that in creator sessions, Haley? 
We don't. We did actually really early on. Drew Holcomb was our first episode. And it's still probably the episode that's closest to my heart because I got to spend a lot of time with him. And I actually did like almost a two hour long interview with him that we didn't end up releasing that's recorded. It's it's It was great, but it was just nice to sit down and have this conversation with him. And in that conversation, we sat down and we talked a lot more about connecting to his audience and how he's used email and things like that. We've migrated away from that a little bit because Creator Sessions is kind of designed to be a bit more of a branding, you know, type project that aligns us with the creator archetypes that we want as customers. And we also want to inspire and, you know, our brand to be relevant within those industries. But I definitely think there's opportunity for it. Bear kind of mentioned this early on, but with Creator Sessions, we've had the opportunity to bring on several of these people actually as customers. Drew Holcomb's an example of that. Matt Carney is an example of that. And to be honest, a lot of creators especially in music, have not leveraged email the way that a lot of creators who use email to make an income, you know, like let's say bloggers, YouTubers, podcasters, so on and so forth, they haven't used email that way. So it's this great opportunity for us to both teach and learn, right? They might be using emails, let's say, to get more people to buy, you know, tickets for touring or whatnot, but they're not using email to build relationships with their audience the way that other creators that maybe can it's more commonly known for have. So it's, it's been really interesting to see the way that musicians have been leveraging email, but I definitely think there's more opportunity for it. And to caveat on that, that's not to say that's the same for every person that's been on Creator Sessions. A great example is Mary Lambert. She did an episode really early on. She's part of the Patreon community and email is really important to her business because she has built and grown her business on really loyal fans. So, you know, it's, it's different for each, but it's definitely something that we could consider moving forward. I think the long-term vision for creator sessions will include things of that nature. Yeah, totally. The other things to check out, Kurt, would be our creator stories, which are written video and audio stories about different kinds of creators. Definitely have a section in each one about how they use email and the role it's played in their business. If you follow Issa Adney on Twitter, she is the writer and, and kind of producer of all of those. And then she works with our videographer who works across both sessions and stories named Henry Thong. And he is fantastic. So you should follow him and his personal series. We actually did a creator session about him, which is kind of a little bit meta, but fun. Uh, another thing to start paying attention to is we're starting to produce more in-depth case studies. And so one that's going to be coming out here in the next probably 30, 45 days is going to be titled How ConvertKit Helped Daily Stoic Introduce 20,000 People to Ancient Philosophy. Daily Stoic is a project of Ryan Holiday's and he's been a customer for a long time. So I expect more articles like that to be coming out. And I would expect as we have some of the creator sessions, people signing up as customers that will have the opportunity to then circle back around and tell the story of how they're using the product, how they're growing their audience with email and everything. So keep a lookout for those. Okay. Doom, da doom, da doom, da doom, doom. Creator of the day. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> All right. I'm going first because I have just the best story about this. My creator of the day is a filmmaker who's known for, he's another Nat Geo kind of guy. And he is responsible for doing this project with National Geographic called Kingdom of the White Wolves. His name is Ronan Donovan. And he worked and actually filmed Amy Vitale's episode, who's an upcoming episode for Creator Sessions that'll probably be released either this month or first of November, first week of November. And my daughter, my eight-year-old daughter, 
daughter. I was talking with somebody on the phone. You know, I was in the car. I have a good friend who works for Adobe. And I was kind of referencing, oh, Amy would be a great person for you to interview. And I said, and another Nat Geo filmmaker, his name's Ronan Donovan, filmed her. And my eight-year-old daughter, she was like, did you just say Ronan Donovan? And I was like, Yes, yes, Millie, I did say Ronan Donovan. And I was like so confused by what was happening, you know, because I'm like, you know, I'm on the phone. She said, are you talking about the same Ronan Donovan from Kingdom of the White Wolves? He lived with the wolves, mom. He lived with the wolves. We have this like little secret hideout kind of thing underneath our staircase. And there's a little TV in there. She only watches National Geographic. That is her show of choice. So she found the episode and she's she's got this little Roku remote and she's like fast forwarding it and getting it. He's crouching on the ground. He's got his camera and there's like a pack of wolves around him. And she's like, this Ronan Donovan? And I was like, yes. And... This same Ronan Donovan, I told him that he was like my daughter's Beyonce. He was like, well, I've never been compared to Beyonce before, but I'll take it. And he said he would jump on a call with her one day. And anyone that is willing to spend time with an eight-year-old girl is my creator of the day. That's awesome. I love it. New creator I discovered this week. I might butcher the name. So if you listen to this, I'm sorry, but Sherry Hugh, I think is how you say it. She started a newsletter called Water and Music, which is about music business and tech. And I just started reading it this week. Hosted on Patreon and it's got its own Twitter account as well, at water underscore and underscore music. But just kind of deep dives into what's going on in the business and tech side of the music industry. Haley, this actually might be interesting for you to follow. And totally worth digging into. Like just interesting insights insights about what's going on in music business, what's changing, what the trends are. Like there's all kinds of just daily news. We talked about some of it on the show over the past couple of weeks from people like Kanye and others talking about owning masters, being an independent musician and everything else. So she gets into that very much worth subscribing to and following. And if you love it, paying for access to all the premium content too. So Sherry, thanks for the work you do. Okay. Do you have a resource of the day, Haley? I know there's a lot of no transcribers, you know, apps out there. I use Otter and it is a lifesaver. I learned about this app at Chris, Chris Ducker's event and a gentleman got up on stage and was talking about apps that can save you time. And I interview and get to sit down with obviously all of our creators and I want to be fully engaged in the conversation. So I use Otter to transcribe all of these sessions with me chatting it up with these creators and it's a lifesaver. That's awesome. I love it. On a similar note, I just discovered this recently and the head of product marketing is based here in Portland, chatting with them just the other day. It's a tool called Grain. Very similar to Otter, it sounds like. And if you do any kind of Zoom calls with maybe people in your audience or customers or whatever, it does the same thing. It transcribes it. The other cool thing it can do, though, is you can highlight pieces of the transcription and then it will clip the piece of the video recording that is that part of the transcription. So this is typically used in product management organizations where you would do user interviews, try and gain insight into what people want from your tool or what they're struggling with. And then this allows you to clip it really easily to like share it with an engineer team in the customer's own words. But as a creator, doing research in your audience is really, really powerful. We should do an episode on that actually going forward about how to interview your audience members for what they want from you. This could be a really good tool for just transcribing, clipping, sharing clips if you have an assistant or you just want to document it for yourself for later. So there you go. Transcription of calls is apparently a trend this week on the show. I got nothing else for you. Haley, you got anything else? Parting words of wisdom? 
No, but I do. I will say this. I'm about to jump on a call with the leads, the Penny and Sparrow for a creator session that's going to get filmed here. And they are the types of musicians that own all of their stuff, right? They started that pretty early on in their career, but I'm obsessed with them. They're funny and really good. And they're like a mix between like Bon Iver and like a Matt Carney kind of. Cool. If you guys are interested just to prepare yourselves for the creator session that is to come. Go check them out. I know that's technically two creators of the day, but you know, whatever. Penny and Sparrow. Love it. You do what you want, Haley. You do what you want. Okay, that's all from us for this week. Thanks for joining us. It's fun as always. On Monday, Nathan will be joined by another teammate. I believe Miguel. If it's not Miguel, it'll be Charlie, one of the two, on uh, on Monday. And they'll have a topic for you. And then next Friday, I think both Nathan and I will be back for Q&A like normal. So we'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Future Belongs to Creators. If you didn't pick it up from the show, we make a tool called ConvertKit where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. If you want to give ConvertKit a try, you can go to landingpage.new to launch your next creative project. You'll be able to build a landing page and send emails for up to 500 subscribers totally for free. So again, that's landingpage.new. You can get started with your free ConvertKit account today. Yeah.